often when I read this story, I think of why Abraham gets to be chosen to be the father of many nations. What is it that was unique and special about Abraham that made him the one that was chosen? Because, see, we just read the story of Noah, right? And Noah was chosen because he was blameless in God's sight. There was a reason why Noah was chosen to be saved. So there must be a reason why Abraham was chosen to be the father of many nations, to be a blessing. And often, often when we talk about ancestral things in the church, we talk about our God being the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we don't talk about our God being the God of Noah. Well, it seems a little unfair. I mean, if if Noah's family was the only one that survived the flood, we're all Noah's descendants. But yet, in faith, we talk about being Abraham's descendants. And when we talk amongst three different religious traditions of Jews and Christians and Muslims, we talk about being, of having Abrahamic faith. But shouldn't it go back to Noah? If, if we all fall from Noah's family. So there's got to be something about Abraham that makes him special. Now, this is what we know about Abraham. This is right before today's reading. Now, these are the descendants of Terah. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram took Nahor, uh, Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran and the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. That's what we know about Abram before he becomes Abraham. He was somebody's son. Ooh, that's an exciting plot twist. Hardly, hardly seems to be a good reason to have picked Abram to become Abraham and the father of many nations. Now, there is rabbinic tradition that says that Abraham was the first to believe in what's called a, 
um, monotheistic God. That God, our God, is one God. But it's not in the Bible. It's a rabbinic tradition that, that a number of scholars think was put in to justify the fact that Abram was chosen. Okay? So really, all we know about this guy is that he was somebody's son. And, and that because of that, God decides to make promises to him. The promises are threefold. He's going to have children. He's going to be a blessing. Well, to be blessed and to be a blessing. And he's going to have land. Okay? I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. What does it mean to be a blessing? The Hebrew root, bless, is widely understood as referring to health-creating power. Someone who is blessed is gifted with such power, while to bless someone is either to bestow such power on them, often by the means of a verbal statement, or to declare that they have such power. Now, why would it be important to have health-giving power. You see, our scriptures were written with different emphases at different points. And so, the author of Genesis 1 maybe wrote something. Maybe. There we go. Places divine blessing on humankind at the beginning of of his work, right? God blesses Adam and Eve in the garden. But later on, chapters that follow are a narrative that are dominated by God's curse. God gets angry, decides to send the flood. From the man and woman to Cain to the flood. And the renewal of the divine blessing to its survivors in Genesis 9. The cycle of sin and curse begins again, climaxing in the hybris of the Tower of Babel in chapter 11, but is countered now by a new act of God, the blessing of Abram in 12, 1 to 3. A blessing that Abram didn't warrant. This is actually the plot twist. Because, see, Abram didn't warrant that blessing of children, of being a blessing and being a blessing to others, or of land. God starts to act differently with God's people at this point. It's no longer... You deserve something, so I'm going to give it to you. 
God begins to pick someone who doesn't warrant a thing and says, you are blessed and you will be a blessing to others. You have the healing power of God within you and you will share that healing power with others. This is a big change in how God is interacting with God's people. This is the beginning of a history of blessing that culminates in the blessing of Jacob by Isaac and by God much later on in Genesis. So again, why Abraham? Why not? Why not? If he didn't warrant those blessings, it also means he didn't not deserve them. Right? Often we try to find ways of justifying why someone is blessed or in other ways of justifying why others shouldn't be. But that's not the story of our God anymore. The story of our God says, why can't we all be blessed? I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. By the... By you, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. This is a different translation than what we just read. This ending here is different. By you, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. See, because the task that's really given to Abram is not to just go around and say, you're blessed and you're blessed and you're blessed. But to help us understand within ourselves that we are blessed. And that we have the ability, as Abraham did, to share that healing, life-giving power with others. Because that's really the power of this story. Is that within us, God resides. There is nothing that we can do that warrants, that justifies why we might be blessed. This story helps us to remember to share that healing power of God with each other because it lives in us. And for that we give thanks. Amen.